welcome. You're listening to a sermon podcast from Oak Hills Church in Folsom, California. Last Saturday, I officiated a wedding on the shores of Lake Tahoe, literally in the sand. And as I stared at the surrounding beauty waiting for the ceremony to start, I was thinking about how the beauty of creation literally declares the glory and the wonder of God. And the beauty of creation literally proclaims the work of his hands. Creation obviously has no speech or language or words. No sound is heard from the beauty of creation, but its voice goes out into all the earth and its words to the ends of the world. And last Saturday, sitting there, standing there, seeing the lake, seeing the mountains was a profound reminder of this great truth. A couple of weeks ago, I was meeting with a friend for coffee at a coffee shop. And at one point she said to me, God can transform us and he certainly does, but it seems like there are also some things that won't be transformed until we are in eternity. And when she said this, don't ask me why or how, but it was as though the Holy Spirit was saying something through her that I needed to hear. And in the aftermath of that, it's something I continue to need to hear. In that moment, she spoke truth to me in love, and it helped me move a little bit toward maturity in my faith, and it helped me grow a bit in the character of Jesus. Like many of you, I try to make regular time to be alone with God, to read the Bible, to think, to meditate, to pray. Recently, I was reading 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. I've read this verse many, many times, but it struck me in a fresh way, a crucified God, a king who willingly allows his subjects to put him to death. The foolishness of it all, as Paul says, and yet the wisdom of it all. No wonder so many find it so hard to believe. And my point in sharing these anecdotes is that the God we worship and follow speaks to us in a variety of ways. He is a communicating God. He speaks through nature. He speaks to us through each other. He speaks to us when we open the Bible and let it speak to us. He speaks to us sometimes through the still, small, often quiet voice of the Holy Spirit. And if we learn to live with our eyes and our ears attentive to him, now and then, maybe more often than we think, we will encounter burning bushes, just like Moses did back in Exodus. That is, unexpected situations and experiences where God speaks to us. And one of those burning bushes is music. Music has a way of sneaking past our well-fortified defenses and reaching down into our soul and grabbing us. And so today, we're beginning a three-week series called When Music Is My Teacher. We didn't just show the Jack 
black clip at the beginning of the service, though it's hilarious, there's a reason for that. We're in this series for three weeks called When Music Is My Teacher. When the Holy Spirit speaks to us through music and stirs our soul. And over the next three weeks, we're going to consider three different songs and the soul-shaping truth they convey. And here's the thing, none of these songs are Christian songs. And yet, embedded within them are Christian themes. And I would suggest that one reason music is sometimes our teacher is that God is big and unboxable. And he wants people to know him. So he can use anything to proclaim his good news. Music has been part of our family's culture since Julie and I were married. Barbecues and parties and vacations have always included arguments about whose playlist is going to play. I usually win those arguments, if not always. So I'm really looking forward to this series. I, this, this, this kind of thing gets at me in ways that uh, other things don't. And I have a dozen songs or more on my playlist that I could have easily chosen and walked into during this series. But a few weeks ago, I asked my daughter, Abby, to send me a song or two she likes. Abby has an unbounded mind, and she has a rather eclectic taste in music, and I was looking for something fresh. So she resent me a song that she had sent me about six months earlier. This time I put it on and I listened to it quite carefully. One has to do so, because the songs Abby likes require effort. <laughs> the lyrics are not driven by, hmm, what's gonna rhyme with this? But by the desire to say something of substance. So one has to pay attention, one has to work a little bit, one has to dig in a little bit to kind of unearth what's being said in a song that Abby recommends. And the song she sent me reached my soul, and it moved me, and it spoke to me about a crucial aspect of life God's way, even though I'm fairly confident the songwriter didn't intend for it to have anything to do with life God's way. Again, a testimony to how big God is and how unboxable he is. I've listened to this song well over 30 times over the past few weeks. The song is called, appropriately, Change. And it's by a group I'm sure you haven't heard of named Big Thief. So the ushers are going to come at this point and they are going to hand out to you the lyrics of this song I'm sure most of you have never heard of. Uh, and you'll need these lyrics for much of what I'm going to say to make any sense. It may not make any sense anyway, but you'll have a better chance if you have these lyrics in hand. Each week of the series, you're going to get a copy of the lyrics to the song we're talking about to make it easier to follow. Now, just to put your mind at ease, some of you are nervous right now. Are we not going to look at the Bible? Are we really going to just look at this song? No, we're going to use this song eventually to bridge into truths in Scripture that back up what is being said in the song. But each week you'll get the lyrics to make it easier to follow. And here's the other thing. Each week of the series, we are going to perform this song. We, not as in you guys, certainly not as in me, but we're going to have people who know how to do these things 
perform this song. So here's what I'd like to ask you to do. I'd like to ask you, once you get the lyrics, to close your eyes. I'd like us to kind of reset a bit. I've kind of told you what this series is about, and now I want us to enter into this. And I want to ask you to close your eyes, and I want to give you a kind of a thought trail to explore. I'd like you to think about something that you are carrying. Maybe it is something you have carried for a long time. Maybe it is something you've only recently started carrying. When I say something you are carrying, it could be some kind of hurt that you have experienced in your life. Maybe the loss of someone you cared about, either through death or through a falling out. But someone who was close to you has been lost. Maybe it's through some lingering pain that you've carried for a very long time. Physical pain, pain in your body, or pain from something said or unsaid, something done or undone recently or way in the past. Something you are carrying could be a disappointment, could be a broken dream. Fifteen years ago, perhaps, you had a vision of what your life would be and where you would be and what you would be doing, and today that vision is no more. And you're kind of left in the midst of all that, trying to sort it all out. Something you are carrying, something that often weighs on you and maybe is hard to carry. Holy Spirit, we are moving into some tender and sacred and holy ground today. And we do so with hope and with confidence that your presence is near, your presence is with us. And so I pray that as we give some time to reflect on these things, that you might speak to us through this song in these moments, that you might bring to the surface things we're carrying. And we would be so bold as to ask that today might be a day where we start to experience a deep and authentic change as we surrender this to you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.
Welcome to the wonderful world of my oldest daughter's brain. I hear in this song a reminder about the inevitability of change. Like the wind, like the water, like skin. Change like the sky, like the leaves, like a butterfly. Change happens in this life. In very many ways, change is inevitable. Some change is welcomed, like the birth of a new granddaughter, for example. Some of it is unwelcomed, like a difficult diagnosis or the loss of someone we love. And some change, maybe most of it, is optional and often resisted. And I think 
This is what the song is particularly poking at. Those invitations life gives us to change, to become different, to let go, to forgive. But something in us can't let go or is afraid to let go or is afraid to change. So we hang on and resist the change. Because letting go, forgiving, surrendering, requires courage to venture into unfamiliar territory and let go of the pain that we have carried for so long, let go of the past, and all this can be a hard road to walk. But as the song asks, rather poetically, would you live forever, never die, while everything around passes? Would you smile forever, never cry, while everything you know passes? Can everything else change, in other words, and we keep the blinders on and just stay the same? See, for the follower of Jesus, we can't live authentically with and under God without entering into the hard realities of this life and how those hard realities sometimes come knocking on our door. We can't live authentically with and under God without letting God's spirit reshape and transform those hard realities, our pain, our loss, our disappointment, our whatever, into something good that helps us become a little bit more the people God has redeemed us to be. Let's dive into this a bit more. I want to talk about a shared trait most of us, if not all of us, have. One of the most enjoyable parts of the work I do is getting to know the stories of people in our church. I've been at Oak Hills for a long time, which has given me the opportunity to know many stories and travel through various life experiences with a lot of people. And you may have heard me say this before, but these Sunday gatherings are crucially important and meaningful to our individual life with Jesus and our communal life with him. Since the beginning of Christianity, the people of God have gotten together with each other in some form, in some place, and they've worshiped and they've prayed and they've celebrated the Lord's Supper and they've opened the Bible and they've learned from each other and they've sharpened each other and they've spurred one another on and then they've gone out and they'd witnessed to the reality of God in their everyday lives. But there's only so much a larger gathering like this can accomplish. And the real action, in my opinion, happens in smaller settings, face-to-face, one-on-one, or a handful of people gathering together in Jesus's name to seek him and to encourage him and to encourage People's stories are unique and different. Most of us share something in common, a shared trait. And here's what it is. Most of us can name a difficulty, a painful experience, some kind of loss, a broken dream, a hard relationship. In some cases, these aren't massive things that have completely derailed our lives. In other cases, they are massive things. In some cases, these are just words, spoken or sometimes unspoken, from people who mattered to us early in life and whose presence shaped us. In other cases, it's something much bigger. But nonetheless, all of us share, most of us share, this kind of trait, 
a loss, an experience, a hard relationship, a broken dream that happened whenever, but this experience shaped us. It left a mark on us. And we still carry some scars from those wounds. I'm not trying to be a downer. It's just a fact of life in a broken and sinful world. Things happen that wound us and leave scars. And we go forward from these experiences, but often the hurt travels right along with us. Now, some of us are better at compartmentalizing these hurts and scars, not necessarily dealing with them, but boxing these things up and putting them on a shelf and then closing the closet door. We'd rather focus on the good and leave the hard and the bad behind, and I get that. The only problem is when the hard doesn't cooperate and stay behind. Instead of staying in the past, as many of us know, the wounds and the scars travel with us into the present and continue to shape Things like our attitude or our approach or our posture, especially our attitude, approach, and posture in relationships. Again, I can't think of anyone, really. I cannot think of anyone who hasn't had something like this occur that they carry to some degree through their lives. And when the pain of the past still shapes who we are, and how we are, it's not really in the past. And I would suggest it needs to be faced and walked into. Faced and walked into, not for some sort of psychological cleansing or self-improvement process, but because the primary pursuit of the follower of Jesus is Christ formed in me, as Galatians 4.19 puts it. This is what every follower of Jesus is signing up for. The character of Jesus, his love, his grace, his mercy, his hope, his courage being formed gradually, slowly over the course of our lives in us by his Holy Spirit. And sometimes this means asking God to help us deal with something that happened back then but continues to impact us right now. In other words, we're asking God to change us through that hard experience. So let's talk about an ongoing decision that is in front of us. The song puts it this way. Would you stare forever at the sun, never watch the moon rising? Would you walk forever in the light to never learn the secret of the quiet night? Still, like a stone, like a hill, like home, still what I find is you are always on my mind. There's a kind of change that is inevitable. We see it in nature. But there's another kind of change that is optional. And we have to decide if we want this change. Are we going to keep the blinders on and just keep walking ahead, living our lives as if these issues aren't really issues? Or will we turn toward that which is unfamiliar and hard and kind of let God have his way? And it's our choice. And it's not a one-time choice. It's an ongoing decision. The pain or hard experience in the mind of the songwriter, you may have caught this, is a lost relationship. There's someone from the past with whom they were once close, but then the relationship broke and the pain and the loss 
still surface now and then. So the, in, the song is an invitation to venture into new territory and let that pain be changed. A couple months ago, Julie asked my permission to tell me something she thought might be hard for me to hear. That's never a good beginning, by the way. <laughs> Can I tell you something you might not like to hear? Sure, let me get a notebook. I mean, that's a rough start to a conversation. And she said to me, and these are a near quote of her words, I think when someone hurts you, you tend to hang on to the pain and then distance yourself from them instead of working at forgiving them. I remember thinking, yeah, well, you don't load the dishwasher in a very efficient way, so we all got our stuff. <laughs> Much as I kept trying to keep the blinders on and not look, what she said was a burning bush for me. God was saying something to me in her words about me. Not about the me you see, but about the me that's way down here. She, God was saying something to me about a way that I have long lived to protect myself from future rejection. And I'm still thinking about what she said, trying to understand it, trying to discern it. And now and then I remind Julie she's not very good at loading the dishwasher. But I face a decision every inch of this process. This is what I want to drive home. This is not a, oh, I'm going to change. It's not that way. It's right now in this moment, something's stirring, and I want to move toward it. And then about a day later, I'm going to have to revisit that. Am I going to keep turning? Am I going to keep walking into this? Am I going to stay on the pathway to authentic spiritual transformation? When we think of our difficulty that came to mind earlier, or pain, or broken dream, or hard relationship, we also face an ongoing decision every inch of the way. Not a one-time decision, but a many-time decision. And here it is. This might surprise you. This is the decision. Is God's love bigger than my biggest hurt? I have to decide if I believe that. Is God's love deeper than my deepest insecurity? I have to decide if I'm going to embrace that. Is God's way better than my way? I have to decide that over and over and over and over again. See, the decision is not to muscle up and just face the hardship as if we possess the resources to take it on in our own strength, but rather to relax and trust that God is exquisitely good and he is with us on this long road to change. That is the starting point. God's love is bigger than my biggest hurt. God's love is bigger than my biggest hurt. That's where we begin the change process. You probably know forgiveness is a big deal when it comes to change and the past. And you probably know when you thought of whatever your difficulty is, whatever it is that you're carrying, it's probable that in many cases, this word idea forgiveness was close by. Forgiveness is a big deal when it comes to change in the past because unforgiveness is tempting. 
Letting go is hard. Hanging on to the hurt can be satisfying. In fact, hanging on to the hurt is one of the ways we avoid having to risk being hurt again. This is what Julie was, I guess, graciously pointing out to me. We use the hurts of our past to shut down and wall ourselves off so we can avoid the same risk in the future. But the decision we face many times over goes something like this. Is God's grace that he shows to me bigger than any grace he's asking me to show to someone else? Maybe the decision we all must make over and over again as it relates to our pains and difficulties and losses is this. Is God good? Is his love for me bigger than this hurt? Can I actually trust him with this hurt and surrender it? Slowly let go of it and let his spirit bring forth something new from it. Which brings us to the last thing I want to talk about and that is an ongoing death. We're way into this, but if you would stand for our scripture reading. Today it comes from John chapter 12. I'm going to read verses 20 through 26. If you want to follow along, it's page 1078. This is after Palm Sunday, after Jesus has entered into Jerusalem and begun his last week on this earth. John 12, starting in verse 20. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with the request, Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. As I mentioned, Jesus is in Jerusalem near the end of his life when some non-Jewish God-fearers try to get a meeting with him, and something about them trying to get a meeting with him triggers in Jesus that the time of his death has now come. And his response to their requested meeting makes absolutely no sense, except it makes all the sense in the world. He says, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates Their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. He's obviously talking about his upcoming crucifixion and the new life his death will bring. But the point for our purposes today is that death is always a prerequisite to new life. So think again of that pain or loss or disappointment that came to mind earlier as a kernel of wheat. If we keep hanging on to it, it remains a single kernel of wheat. But if we let go of it, it falls to the ground and dies 
and produces many seeds, that is, it produces new life. And this is the work of God in the life of one of his followers. And this work is going on all of the time. In the words of the song, death like a door to a place we've never been before. Death like space, the deep sea, a suitcase. Death like a door to new territory. Death like a door to uncharted ground. Death for the follower of Christ, the way to new life, the way to a new way. Death to self, death to the old way, death to that pain or scar or fear or wound or disappointment. Death as in letting go, releasing it. So God can bring forth new life through this kernel in his time. What if I find, the songwriter says, or what I find, the songwriter says, is you are always on my mind. Could I feel happy for you when I hear you talk with her like we used to? Could I set everything free when I watch you holding her the way you once held me? That is change. That is transformation down in the bones of things. And that is the way of Jesus Christ, the disappointment, the pain, the wounds, the scars, the unforgiveness, the bitterness set free and changed so that in place of bitterness and unforgiveness, there's actually blessing and hope. I don't know if you caught this. Could I feel happy for you? That is you who hurt me. You, the one who gave me these scars and wounds. Could I experience the transforming love and grace and power of God at such a deep and penetrating level that I could authentically desire blessing and goodness for you. That is Christian transformation. And the way to it is through death. Because death is like a door to a place we've never been before. See, the Christian life is an ongoing exercise in death. We can talk about a million other things, but when you whittle it right down, the Christian life is an ongoing exercise in taking up our cross and dying to self, surrendering, dying to the past, dying to unforgiveness, dying to a fear of the unknown, trusting God, leaning on God, and letting go. What does that mean? Easy to say, but what does letting go actually mean? What does surrender actually mean as it relates to the thing that came to mind earlier? And I realize this is going to sound corny because it does sound corny, and it's going to sound seminarish, and I can't stand things that sound seminarish. But this happens to be something that I found work and to be true in my own experience. Letting go means letting go of trying to change what happened and instead letting God change us through what happened. I've spent a lot of energy trying to telepathically change what happened back there. But I think part of letting go is letting God change me 
through what happened back there. So letting go means recognizing God's presence with us in those times when it seemed like he was very far away. It means recognizing that God is at work bringing about his purposes even in situations where we can't understand what is going on and we don't like them. And again, I've been in enough of your stories. So I look out across this room and I can see plenty of people who when you think of times in your life that were dark, where you felt like God was a million miles away and in the moment you probably sat through services like this and thought, there's no possible way that God could have been near to me in the midst of that darkness. And yet when we take the long view and we take this idea that God is gradually and incrementally bringing forth something new through the old, that it's possible that even then God was at work bringing about his purposes in those situations we absolutely did not like and did not understand. Or as Paul says in Philippians, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. So in that area that came to mind earlier, God who began a good work in you will carry that on until it's complete. And that may happen on the day of Christ. Would you bow with me as we conclude? Heavenly Father, we recognize that some of these things get down into the nooks and crannies of our inner worlds and souls and thoughts and feelings. And there's things that get embedded there. They become attached to who we are. Sometimes our identity gets wrapped around the ways in which we've been hurt. Sometimes our identity gets wrapped around telling others the various ways in which we've been hurt. And yet we believe you are a God who does this kind of deep soul work and brings about this kind of healing and transformation, however slowly and incrementally. So we pray that this idea of change, of becoming new, of dying to the old so that the new can grow, that we would continue to pursue this and you would lead us as we take those steps. And we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.